Hello everyone, welcome back to the Hawkins Do Copy podcast. My name is Ren. And my name is Emily, and on this podcast we talk about all things Stranger Things. And today is our episode two discussion, review, recap. Recap, that's the word that Emily likes to put in there. It's what it is, it's a recap. So this is Vecna's Curse. Straight off the bat, how many Demogorgons, that five Demogorgons, would you give episode two of Vecna's Curse? Oh, we didn't do this for episode one. This is mixing up the system. I am mixing up the system. I'm doing it. I'm feeling I'm feeling chaotic today. Taking a bit off guard. I'm going to go with a three, but only because four and seven are really good. <laughs> I agree. I liked it a lot more on my second rewatch, hmm. but episode two was the episode that I found long yeah i know what you mean so like i was expecting for episode one i was expecting to feel like you know like it is a bit longer even though i quite like longer content but i actually felt like i kind of felt like i kind of coasted through episode one Mm. whereas episode two i felt the length and not in a bad way it wasn't bad i really enjoyed episode two quite a lot actually it has some of my favorite moments from the season in it but it was i felt the length more in episode two compared to some of the other episodes of season four do you know what i think it is and i think it's because you're waiting for fred to die and i know that sounds weird but i think where you've had it happen with chrissy in episode one and then as soon as you get that little clip in the car with the police officer being like oh you murdered that girl or wherever the line yeah. is you're then thinking oh okay we know what's gonna happen with fred so the whole time you're waiting for that to happen it's like okay is it gonna happen now is it gonna happen now so i i do wonder if it's partly something like that but before we get into all these details <laughs> there are many places you can find us talk about episode one and things that are not fred dying and those places are apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, stitcher spotify amazon music and audible.com at hawkins do you copy and then on instagram facebook and twitter at hawkins podcast or youtube and tumblr at hawkins do you copy and then at some point in the near distant future as i promised hawkins do you copy.com you did that very speedy. That was very good. Well done. I did. I'm getting through it. Mixing up the system. Talking about mixing up the system, shall we start with Hawkins? I was going to suggest that too. How funny. Hawkins obviously took up a massive chunk of the plot for this episode. And the season. But obviously this is kind of where the Hawkins stuff really, really like kicks in. Yeah, so... As I said, this is the episode where you're waiting for someone else to die, which sounds really awful, but, you, you know, you, you've kind of been settled into the system. I think with that death being right at the end of episode one, obviously you're dealing with the aftermath of it, and then, you know, you, you're kind of waiting for more to happen. That sounds really morbid and really like, yes, wait No, but you are. But you know what I mean? You, you're kind of <laughs> waiting for something else to happen, and... Unfortunately, in this case, it is Fred. What I will say is the setup for that really took me off guard with this, though. Oh, yeah, definitely. I I really didn't... I mean, I'm guessing it was an accident what happened. I You never really, truly know. Not really. I think that that's sort of what the Duffer Brothers was go, were, were going for, because I think... And Lucas kind of does touch upon it later on in the season when he talks about the... Um, I can't remember his name, but the guy on the... Uh, basketball team with him Patrick Patrick that was it and he talks about how he never really asked like he never asked questions he never really sort of like dug into it because he didn't think anything of it and I think that that's sort of what they're going for with Fred is that it's that lots of people can have secrets and lots of people can have trauma that's happened in lots of different ways and it can be people that you least expect and I think from episode one and from most of episode two until obviously the police officer comes to the car we don't suspect that anything is going on in fred's mind so i think that's why the fred stuff worked so well is because i think it took everybody by surprise kind of like what i said as well in the overview unless i cut that out i don't think i did but if i did just go with it um you know what i said about how it almost feels like an allegory for essentially ending your life the way that Vecna does yeah. it I suppose yeah, it is yeah, 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 yeah. you know as you said where well, Lucas is about you didn't really know him didn't really ask questions is it that it's, yeah. it's that similar kind of thing that how much can it eat you up inside until you finally go this is the best option which yeah. it never is but in that person's mind you know they think there's no way out of it so I guess that kind of applies to Fred as well 
they're just so racked up with guilt about too much what yeah exactly it's too much and then that's all he could see i don't think i will ever get used to the way that vecna does kill i I really thought after the first time i'd think okay i know what i'm in for now but then the second time it happened i'm still like oh no i can't watch this yeah and every way is like slightly different as well because i guess you're kind of put on edge initially with the way that he's kind of almost almost doing like a that's what you missed on glee recap for each person of their own trauma <laughs> like he's kind of like remember this and then he gives them a little little run through so you're watching that and you're watching this terrible build up to it and then you have to watch this really gruesome death and I think all of that combined, just it never made it any easier to watch. They knew what they were doing when they were doing the close-ups of the bones just cracking. Oh, yeah. They'd... And just, oh, just e- every part of it, it's it's just nasty. And it fills with fears of episode eight and episode nine, let's be honest. But no, I think all in all, actually, the way they did show it with Fred and that kind of real shock and that scene when they are in the car when it does switch and you think it's all normal and then suddenly it's like mm-hmm. oh no hey you, you're the one that did that and then just the I want to say vines or like tendrils and growing it's just I, I'm glad they didn't hold back but I would have liked yeah. a warning <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I get that. yeah I guess that's kind of it but but I guess that sort of does show as well like how trauma and like the flashbacks and stuff can just creep up on you whenever and what a way to start a podcast episode talking about a child dying (laughs) (laughs) one thing that i really enjoyed with this episode and it was slightly different because i feel like she is acting upon like maybe i can fix it so that someone else doesn't have to deal with it but the second max sees what happened to chrissy from the moment she knocks on Dustin's door, Max from the other seasons came back slightly. I think a whole bit of that is that she knows that something a little bit suspicious is going on that isn't just a normal murder. And she also knows obviously what's going on and that they're, they're some of the only people that know what's going on. But I also feel like she saw how scared Eddie was and that kind of fueled a... I want to make sure that no one else has to deal with what I had to deal with. And you can see that drive just sort of come back a little bit. And then, like what you said before, when she then writes the letters, when she realises about her, it's almost that, like, actually, I've been dealing with all of this stuff, but I'm, I don't want to go anywhere. I think episode two was the the start of that if that makes sense and i will say as well it was really nice to see her paired with dustin yeah i loved that we may have lost mike and dustin because he's decided to jet off literally but we'll get to that in a moment but i'm really glad that we saw max and dustin as a pairing together actually. yeah we saw obviously glimpses of it in season two but since then it's never well no not really in season two either you kind of had the love triangle between lucas max and dustin and oh, yeah, then, thing. <laughs> but you know what I mean. But then we sort of dropped that off, and then so it is really nice to actually see them come together as as friends. I it was a pairing that I didn't necessarily know I wanted, but I'm not I'm not mad at it. I, I'm glad it exists. And obviously, when you get them together with then Robin and Steve, who we didn't really touch upon much in episode one, but it's because most of their storyline I think really starts from episode two. The same with Nancy. It was just. Yeah, a good little good little team up. Well done, Duffer Brothers. <laughs> I loved the scene when they're walking out of the house and she's and Dustin's saying, like, have you spoken to anyone else? And she's like, No, I can't find this person. Like and then he's like, Mike's in California. And then Claudia's just like, Dusty, you can't go out and say he's like, Okay, I'll be extra careful, love you, Mum. Bye. Like that was like one of my favourite bits. And it's like such a little bit, but I think the scenes between Dustin and Claudia are like forever some of my favourite scenes because they're so few and far between and they're so quick. Claudia Henderson remains a best mum. She is. She is superior. I love her. She's done this from season two. She had like one line in season three and still just... Claudia Henderson continues to keep winning and it, it's Claudia's world and we're only living in it. Exactly. That is exactly it. She steals whatever scene she is in. But no, I did really like that and I really liked the scenes like with Robin and Steve just before Max and 
Dustin get there as well like that was really cute like Robin just talking about Vicky and like feeling like she can do that and kind of them like bonding and stuff I thought that was really nice it's also so funny to me like how much technology is used in this season I mean obviously you got that little line later on when they talk about the internet it's like oh fun little reference we'll get to that in a couple of years um but you know yeah I know what you mean but just in general actually while we're on the subject of technology then and that little scene when Dustin just like jumps over like vaults over the table and just gets on the computer I thought that's actually a really clever way of getting into the the meat of the storyline I know it's to find briefer Rick and obviously to help Eddie at that point but it was was just nice I don't know it it was a clever way to get into it and obviously half the films on I think the video store Friday were then on the computer and I just think technically you know you can't just say that's a reference (laughs) it's gonna be reference but like yeah we're just gonna put on a computer screen can we but I'm, I'm not complaining but it feels a little bit like that's what I also really liked when um they're talking about Steve and he's like I treat all customers equally and as he's saying it after giving this girl like so much attention as he's speaking a guy walks in to the store and just kind of like wanders off Maya Hawke's uh brother is it oh my god I didn't know that he's the extra that was on set at one point everyone's like oh my gosh is that gonna be Eddie and (laughs) I didn't know that was yeah but what I enjoyed about that as well is that he walks in and then they lock up the store. Yes! I was going to say this. I was like, did he leave? I genuinely expected there to be like a shot of him like in the store. Like, what? But no, I think it's really funny when he walks in and Steve just completely blanks him. Like, just brilliant. While we're on Steve, he's got an interesting storyline this season, yeah. hasn't he? I'm not mad at it, but it feels a little bit at times like we're in old Steve yeah again and i i kind of get it because obviously you could argue that season three it was him kind of being like well dustin's my friend and you know it's cool i'll be friends with the middle schoolers or whatever you know that he he didn't care about who he was anymore but it feels a bit like we've gone back to steve that gets around so to speak and he you know he flirts with all the girls does this and does that and obviously it progresses a little bit more as the season goes on but i'm not too sure what they what they're doing with him it was it was sort of like an amalgamation of all the past steves i don't know it, do, it doesn't really feel like with him we've kind of jumped ahead no really to, to a new steve i don't know i'm not mad at steve though i want to i want to say that whenever his interactions were happening and it's for the entire season i thought you know what no i, I like steve's character steve's great but i, I just don't I don't know. I don't know if I would have picked this storyline for him. Yeah, I know what you mean. If that makes sense. No, I know what you mean. And it feels a little bit like the setting out of something tragic, either late this season yeah. or early next season. Steve is not but safe. He is not on my safe list. Maybe for season four, not for season five. I mean, he's not been on my safe list for a while. I'm amazed he lasted this long, to be honest. Obviously, we see the other side of things. So they obviously are trying to find Eddie. We're also seeing Nancy and Fred, like we kind of touched upon. And Nancy is being very um, investigative journalist. Um, and she is so good. Like, she knows how to, like, work everyone. And it is great. Like, I love seeing her in action. Like, that drive that she has. And, like, obviously Jonathan talks about that, like, and how hardworking she is. I think Nancy is a storyline done right yeah i agree kind of like where with steve it feels like now we've kind of jumped back a bit with nancy it's been nothing but just going forward yeah the entire time that obviously how she was in season one it was almost that kind of thing of i have to fit in yeah and then when she talks to jonathan it's that kind of idea of actually you know what i i don't i can just you know i don't have to fit with a mold and then from then it's just you know it's just gone on and on and mm-hmm. now we see her in season four and she's head of the school newspaper and she's got this investigative journalist mind just on all the time and it's just really great i i love nancy wheeler i think she's such a good character and i feel like all of the teens actually apart from steve i say the teens like the older teens i feel like they don't get enough credit as characters i don't think they've ever really got enough credit i yeah i completely agree i think there's so many different aspects to all of them that just i could talk about for hours that i do just feel like people are not talking about 
and I think that like Nancy's drive and the way the way that she works is is one of them and it's so good and you can see that when she starts talking to Eddie's uncle it's an interesting one because you can tell that first want from the interaction let's say is she wants to know what happens but then you see that she realizes that this is kind of bigger than anyone initially thought that part of her really shone this season and particularly I think episode two and three where you can really kind of see that in her no yeah I completely agree obviously there are some things later down the line that very oddly we're addressing a little bit more again yeah. between her and other character um I I think I said it in the recap anyway and we obviously won't go into too much because it's not really addressed a lot in this episode if at all I do think it is kind of a miscommunication thing. I think it's going to be more an idea of we're going to finally close this chapter. I think that's what it's going to be more than anything. I think the people around her, I mean, I'm going to guess that really Eddie probably hasn't and Robin, you know, they both haven't really met Jonathan no. too much. Uh, you know, they might have been in the same school, but there's not going to be a lot of communication i mean we know that jonathan pretty much kept himself to himself anyway so i wonder if it's a thing that within the moment they're just kind of seeing this and then it's a thing of well why, why aren't you two together again what happened there and it's a thing in their heads it's going to be should we oh are we yeah and then it when it gets right down to it it'll be a actually you know what we're just really good friends and we can bring back the monster hunting trio please give me it please Season five, if Steve isn't dead, which he won't be because Sean Levy said he would quit Stranger Things when he dies. Um, the, yeah, it, it, give me it back. Yeah, no. I, With Robin as well. She can be in there too. I would love that. I would love to see that and love to see more of that and kind of have that throwback to season one where they had the three of them in the house. I think that would be really good. And I definitely think it is a chapter which does kind of need to have that closure. And I think for both of them. Yeah, it's kind of been peppered in for all the seasons. Yeah, but also really, like... Really, I mean, season one and two, obviously, more obviously. But even season three, when he's talking with Robin, it's like, yeah, I, I loved someone. Once Nancy was Nancy was great. And you can still see it's kind of like hung up. Yeah. A little bit there. So, that you know, I agree then. They need that closure. They need to sort of just be completely... They've never really spoken. No, you've had like the odd bit. The little bit at the end of season two, when he says about being a good babysitter and lets her go. But apart from that, it, it's never really been properly gone into. They've just been in each other's circles, <laughs> but never really said anything. Yeah, I think we need that kind of closure and them. I think it would be good for both of them, to be honest. But more of that in probably, what, episode six? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that whole episode will just be about Stancy. That's fine. We're using a lot of, uh, a lot of ship names for these reviews, aren't we? Yeah, we've never done that before. Uh, last two episodes, we're just addressing the hard-hitting subjects. Honestly. Yeah. Look at us. <laughs> Who would have thought it? Not me. Not me. Oh, don't talk about shipping rule. Also, it's so funny to me. Like, obviously, I know it's set in the 80s. So, like, there's going to be references to certain things that, like, are obviously not still applicable now. Um, but when Max says about, like, that's what people said about Ted Bundy, was still alive at this point. And was in prison. At that point in time, Ted Bundy, like, it was fresh. It was like a fresh thing. It's like little references like that, you're like, oh my God, like, that's bizarre to, like, think about. But, um, I don't know. Not that I enjoy talk about Ted Bundy, but, like, little things like that, those little references. On the daily. Like, oh, Ted Bundy. Yeah, I just love subject. a chat about Ted Bundy. But, like, also, like, I think that that is true like what max says as well people did say that about ted bundy and it is that sort of like you can't trust feel like people should take into account people can be charming but also bad and i feel like people should take that into account when talking about other characters and changing things later on this season don't know who you're referring to <laughs> what i'm interested to know and we'll move on to luke and the boys in a second what did they think Eddie did? <laughs> because I was thinking this the entire time. Because how is... I know, obviously, you're not going to be thinking a supernatural explanation. Yeah. But Eddie would have had to have really messed up that body to replicate that. And the same with Fred as well. Because they also call the, the like, FBI. And they're like, no human could yeah. have done this. And then they're like, Eddie Munson's a person of... It. How? 
Because you've just said that no... Oh, there's, there's a theory, isn't there? Is Eddie a D&D monster? <gasps> What's going on? <laughs> but no, like... No human would have done this. <laughs> but no, he, he, he would have really... I, <laughs> I think it is that kind of thing of like, you cannot comprehend the impossible. No. So it has to be probable. So let's talk a little bit about Lucas then. Lucas experiencing his first hangover. Oh. <laughs> I I hate sick scenes. I I could never watch someone being sick on screen. It just is too realistic. I, I hate it. That was almost worse than the crunching oh, of the bones. It was, it was too close in that toilet bowl. Too that was too much of a close up. Not a fan. Not a fan. The Lucas scenes are a really good indicator of like peer pressure and stuff and how peer pressure can feel. No, I agree that you you can tell in a way he didn't really. Not that he didn't like them. But there, there was always that kind of thing of, I have to do yeah. this and I have to fit in with these people. I mean, to me, it feels like he got along a bit with Patrick. Yeah, I thought so. Who I thought was younger than senior year for the majority <laughs> me too. of season four until they said he was, what, 17 or 18? Yeah. Oh. What? Okay. I, I could have been convinced you were a sophomore at least. Yeah, but that's because, like, Eddie looks... 35 so we were used to seeing them a lot older so yeah but no i i agree he definitely looked younger maybe that's what it is and i think lucas did get on with them like i, I the thing i liked about that i guess is like jason definitely had like typical jock vibes and definitely was not great with some of his opinions uh, obviously he gets a lot more aggressive as it goes on and and when he finds out other things and stuff like that then he gets like completely obviously like not okay at all and the fact that he's going hunting for eddie is not okay whatsoever but like i think it you could it was interesting because you could see that lucas did genuinely like them and they weren't always awful until that moment and that's when lucas was like they've gone completely like off the rails no 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 and i think in general that apart from a a few moments uh with with the jocks let's say that they weren't i'm glad they weren't portrayed as like yeah the sport kids they're really rude and because they're popular and they're this and yeah apart from when they went eddie hunting yeah they were never really you yeah. know, they they seem to include Lucas, and like even if he was a bench warmer for half the time, and maybe it's because he won them a game, but they they didn't seem. I I, I don't know. Yeah, they, they didn't seem as superficial as they they could have been. No, I I know what you mean. I I completely get that as well. And I think a, a lot of the rest of the team kind of gave me the similar vibe as well, which was yeah, I, I liked that. But yeah, no, I, I I liked that you sort of got to see more of. Lucas's kind of decision making with this kind of thing and like his sort of processing and then him with other people and like he like I said we did, he did genuinely get on with them and I will say as well that I wasn't as mad at Jason as I thought it was going to be and I think actually you could apart from sometimes be like no my Chrissy wouldn't do that yeah and a bit you know typical I don't want to say like Troy Bolton <laughs> But do you know what I mean? Even though sometimes he was a little bit like that, you did genuinely believe, though, that he he did like Chrissy and was genuinely upset with that. So I yeah. think it's grief. It was yeah. it was a manifestation of grief yeah. again, and whether or not he acted in, you know, he didn't act in the best way when they went Eddie hunting. I think that's what we should call it now. But when they went Eddie hunting and the stuff he was saying about D and D was not correct and not good great. Eddie hunting. Um, oh my god! Then they. But I, I think that, again, it was a manifestation of grief. I think the way that that's then presented throughout the show, you you, you see quite a lot of the, kind of that, that manifestation. So Yeah, you certainly see a lot of the basketball team, don't we you, do. show? Yeah. Anyway, let's, let's move on to... Should we continue with the bleak and go to Russia? Yeah, we'll finish on California this time. Why not? Can I say off the bat, I do not believe... That Hopper survived no, like no. that. I'm sorry. No. What a cop no. out. I'm going to call it a cop out. It was a cop out. All of us were like, either he transported or he, like, as in, like, he evaporated and kind of went through as particles or he jumped through that gate. He did not step out unharmed, conscious, alive, and able to pull himself out of an explosion like that. No. No. I think that's right. He just hid. 
And then he survived it. I don't... Because oh. what was the point then of the whole three inches thing? It wasn't just about doors. There was a gate there. There was three yeah. inches on that gate to the upside down. I mean, thinking on it now, knowing what we know a little bit more about how the upside down works-ish, I don't know where they would have turned up. No. You know, if Hopper jumped through the gate, I, I think he just would have ended up in the same place and I don't know how he would have got back but then saying that the gate didn't look completely closed when he survived it no so you know he could have just popped back through again I guess but I just I I don't believe it I feel like there are better ways to have shown that rather than literally as Joyce looked away he just hid hid under a railing or or something even if even if they'd showed that he survived it but got really, really, really hurt and was like unconscious for ages, and that's how the Russians found him. Like that yeah. make that even that slight change would have made so much more sense than him being fine. Like no, no. When the pe- the other people nearby literally disintegrated. Yeah. No, he he didn't come out of that fine it's the biggest example of plot armor i have ever seen in my life yeah what i will do though is i will give an absolute shout out though to the makeup i'm just gonna say this i thought that their shots on instagram i yeah i think we're gonna think the same thing that i was sure they had filmed that after season three and they were just like let's just continue continuing things and then we can carry on because it was I will praise that and that alone for that opening with Hopper. No, absolutely. That was amazing. I was convinced. I was like, they must have filmed that the same day or like same week at Mm. least. Like they must have done that because David Harbour looks so different. Like even for the season three press tour, he looks so different. So I was like, yeah, they must have done that. But the prosthetics, the hair and makeup, it was amazing. If you guys haven't seen it, Go to David Harbour's Instagram and you can see kind of them turning him back to season three Hopper. Um, and it was amazing. It was so good. So yeah, that, that, was, that was the only good good part about that particular scene. Rest of Russia, however, and Hopper being caught. I have said this in the wrap-up and, and that we did and I will talk about it more when we talk about more of Russia. But the Russia scenes um, and the Russia storyline actually was the storyline which kind of really affected me the most. It really kind of, it was the scenes that I cried at the most. It was the scenes where I looked away the most, um, which really took me by surprise because I, not that I was not expecting to like it, but I think I wasn't expecting it to affect me as much as it did and kind of the impact that it had. And I think it, it kind of does turn back to that kind of human villain aspect of it where you think about, prisoners of war and how they're treated like in episode two you see the elephant mask and that like that made me feel so uncomfortable and I think it sort of is that to look at the horror that other humans can inflict on other humans completely natural as well like they're aside from obviously the Demogorgon there's there's no supernatural element to the horror and torture that war can bring and I think that that was shown very well in the Russia stuff. And that was that was why I think it was so hard to to witness because it, it, it was very real and something which people have really, really experienced. And that's awful. Yeah, I wouldn't say I necessarily agree with people with the review saying that was the weakest part and it felt like a different storyline. Because to me, it, it didn't feel like it was a separate story. I I think I said that... I wonder if there were different ways to do some of the Russia stuff. Just so that you weren't jumping around so much. Yeah, I, I think... For me, that's my overall weakness with season four. I think there was too many bits where I thought, I want to stick with them a bit more. And then suddenly we were in Alaska. Yeah. Or suddenly we were in the prison. And things yeah. like that. Like, I thought, I, you know, I, I would have liked a bit more, but... I. To me, it still felt like Stranger Things. And I think it was because you had Joyce and Murray that were still so wrapped up in that story. I think if it was just Hopper alone in Russia and Joyce and Murray were doing something completely different, then maybe, yeah, I, I would agree that it 
it wouldn't necessarily feel like the show. But because you know that that's their mission constantly and because Hopper is, you know, he's so still wrapped up in Joyce throughout his storyline, I think that did help that. And obviously I'm, that's kind of skipping ahead a, a little bit um, in the later episodes, especially with Hopper talking about Joyce and stuff like that. But I have a question to ask, though. Go on. Having now watched season four, do you wish they kept Hopper dead? No. Do you? I don't know. I don't <gasps> know. Interesting. Okay. Only... Only because... I mean, Millie and Noah said all this kind of like in an interview when they were... I can't remember who they were talking with. They're like, we've got such a big cast. It's like they couldn't even kill off David Harbour. They brought, they brought him back. That kind of thing. Yeah. I think it would have been more of an impact still to kind of go no literally hopper is dead now i i yeah i agree with that but then at the same time it's one of the, it's tricky because having watched season four though it, it makes sense that he is alive but then i i, I don't know i'm i'm mixed on it still yeah i i and i completely do understand your point and i think it would have had a huge impact if they had kept him dead um because uh, obviously that things like that do happen and i think you kind of have to sometimes that there is sort of the aftermath of that my reasons for no are twofold one um the look on joyce Byers's face when she sees him again she deserves that happiness she deserves all the good things in the world i want to give joyce Byers every happiness and every good moment of everything and two um hopper died three months after i watched tony stark die and i personally do not deserve two of my favourite characters to die within the same year. So I'm glad that he didn't die. Fair enough. Speaking of Joyce, I did really like the way that they were, like Joyce and Murray were, I think that they work so well together. Like, obviously, this is the first time they're like, I mean, they're obviously together in season three, but this is the first time it's just those two and they have such a natural back and forth. They've definitely kept in touch. Like, definitely. I refuse to believe that Murray did not see <laughs> Will, Mike, L, Jonathan oh Margo at the airport, though. <laughs> Yeah, and also it was like the season three scene again in the mall. But aside from that, I just think, of course, he flew across the country with essentially a VPN (laughs) in his luggage to sort all of that. Like, of course, he didn't. It's it's it was very Murray compared to say an episode or two later where he wasn't very Murray at all. But like, I have a genuine question. Like, this is a genuine question for people that lived in particularly America, but just in general in the eighties and flew on an airplane would he have been able to take that like i know that airport checks were definitely not as in depth and not as involved and i know that lots of things have happened as like technology has happened and more like attacks and stuff have happened would that, is that allowed i i can't see how that wouldn't have been flagged up no i i don't know if maybe it was things really came into place you know, in 2001. Yeah. I, I don't know if it was around that, that suddenly things were like, actually, we need to be a bit more stringent. Because I, I don't think I ever really went on a plane before then. I, I don't know. It, it does seem a bit unrealistic, but then... <laughs> that is at today's standards against what would it, it would yeah. have been like in the 80s. But yeah, the way that he carries that and the way that he talks to Joyce. And I think you really see his kind of cynicism against her drive like she sees Enzo that's it he's alive and that argument and like you see him realize her drive and that he's not going to be able to fight it and that that's it and like at the same time though he's got to believe it enough yeah oh definitely so definitely. even if it's like a tiniest part yeah. there's got to be enough in him that he's thinking actually you know what I really think he's alive too especially yeah. if we are going by that little voicemail that was released post season three mm-hmm. which it hasn't exactly been retconned, but it suggests that they've been looking into some things and he's got some ideas, but as I said, that doesn't quite fit in with what we know now. For me, it was it seemed more that they, they didn't want to officially say that Hopper was alive, so it was an easy way to do it. <laughs> yeah, I agree. But yeah, I, I'm I'm very glad for the pairing and the Enzo, you know, getting getting Enzo into that I think was a very clever, very interesting way of doing it, rather than just a typical i mean it was a ransom but you know what i mean slightly hopper had it was sort of hopper's own ransom he put it up against himself yeah. kind of thing it was a different sort of yeah it was a bribe 
More of a bribe. Yeah, let's call it a bribe. Yeah, kind of thing. But yeah. Um, so, <laughs> speaking of Murray at the airport, who else arrives at the airport? Mike in that outfit. And thus begins the many episodes of tender emotional music. <laughs> mm-hmm. I just feel like we, I feel like someone just sort of needs to sit Mike down and just be like, okay, we're gonna, we're just gonna, we're just gonna get rid of all of your clothes. Not all of them. Some of his clothes are, are cool. But like all of your clothes that you think people wear in California are gonna go in the bin. Thank you. I refuse to believe that Karen Wheeler let him leave the house dressed like that, which can only lead to me believe that he went, he left the house dressed in something else, got to the airport bathroom and changed. But what I did see that someone noted, though, is that he is dressed in the same colours as the flowers that he gives Elle. He is. So he's in essentially yellow and purple and the flowers are yellow and purple. So flowers were really cute. Like that was really, that was a really cute moment. The fact that she'd written in the letter that she missed the flowers and then he picked the flowers and picked her favourite colours. Like that was sweet. That was like a, a sweet moment from Mike Wheeler that we haven't seen in a little bit of a little bit of time. And I was like, that was that was kind of cute. I liked that. What wasn't cute was the hugs. I just don't quite understand. <laughs> and it's why? Why does why did that happen? That's, that's the thing. And I, and I know it's addressed like an episode or two. No, it's not two episodes later they address it properly. But I still don't quite get it. No, it really feels like we've. If, it feels like we've missed a massive chunk of time and obviously we have we've missed six months but what has happened in those six months that has led to the awkwardness because I mean in fairness Mike makes a point later on when he's having like the mini argument with Will when Will says about it's been a year you haven't contacted me which timing slightly off but a little bit. Exaggerate all you want, Will. I'm not going to hold it against you. And then, But then Mike doesn't say in fairness that, but you could have reached out as well. So why is it all on me? Why am I the bad guy with this? So is it purely just a thing where Will was kind of seeing the letters and thought, well, Mike will contact me soon because we're best friends. He has to contact me because we're best friends. Yeah. And then it never happened. And then in his head, he's overthinking it. And So then he doesn't contact Mike and then Mike's thinking yeah. why isn't Will contacting me and it, it's a bit like miscommunication yeah. and then it, it just yeah and if Will's got other thoughts going on in his head at the same time yeah he's also going to be almost thinking if that is the direction they're going down who knows we have still have about a month until uh volume two but it looks like they're going down that direction if he could be thinking I don't want to come across too strong because if I keep talking yeah. then I get the idea that somebody's going funny and it's I, I wonder if it is purely a thing like that but it it's quite funny watching everyone's reactions to it on YouTube because everyone gets to that moment and they're just like, oh, 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 oh what? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, everyone kind of, you just see that like internal cringe then turn into what on earth is going on between these two? Like you just, you watch also it. Also just happen. general confusion. That that was my more thing that I, I mean, we'd said before we didn't expect things to be perfect and like, I think we've said, I don't know if we said it on the podcast but off that we've been like we do wonder if actually when he puts the D box in the donation box at the end of season three and actually have they really been talking because will is very happy to just walk away yeah <laughs> from him so you know you know it has it been built up from then but then it seemed to end on relatively good they hug the like they, they're like crying they hug it's really nice like i yeah, I I think yeah, a lot of like cross wires, a lot of miscommunication and I think Will probably has kind of thought a lot about things and and it must, you know, be really stressful for him. So I I kind of understand that. I was kind of proud of him for sticking up to Mike in the roller ring though. Like yes, he also could have reached out and he definitely could have picked a bit better time for it. Like that was not the time to go into any of these things. But fair play to him for being like you, you you've like essentially ignored me like what are you doing like and what about us we're friends we're all we're friends we used to be best friends, friends. but, like, you know but like yes yes yeah, you did yeah and like fair play like it, it is a really crappy feeling when someone does just 
ignore a friendship for a relationship and when those changes kind of happen and stuff and I think Mike's always been such a constant in Will's life and with kind of the crazy together stuff I think Will kind of thought he could always go to him and then obviously things changed and it you know it, it did kind of shift stuff so I think yeah that that was definitely definitely a moment I mean I don't blame Will at all like not at all and I mean clearly it was a moment both of them needed was it a little bit of a copy of the season three plot line slightly but you know we don't need to go into that because also they're kind of doing that with Mike and Al as well yeah a little bit the season three plot line again and I I don't know I'm I I would have liked something else but I mean in terms of Will I think it makes sense yeah that he is going for that plot line and obviously when he has the argument with Mike it, it does feel like it's laced with other things going bit. on so you know but let's go back to the airport uh yeah i mean we got the introduction of uh the, the five of them and the little team well i guess kind of four because l vanishes halfway through but you get to see like will jonathan mike and argyle i love argyle like genuinely i love his just kind of his attitude to life and the scene where Jonathan and Argyle with the golf balls and the golf clubs and stuff like I thought that was really sweet and like a really good insight into their friendship and that Jonathan clearly really trusts him and Argyle will give him his honest opinion but is also really there for him and like I think you get to you sort of see how he has kind of in become sort of a little part of their of their little family yeah. like you know he's he is important to them and he is important to, to Jonathan and I think you see that a lot more in this episode as well which I which I did really like I also thought it was hilarious because Jonathan clearly knew that Will was like I cannot believe I have to spend the whole day with Elle and Mike when they get out of the car and he's like have a try and have fun or have fun and Will's just like okay yeah Jonathan knows everything that's going on it's- yeah it's really sad. Yeah. Roller rink though. That that took that was that took a turn. We'll say fantastic soundtrack for the roller rink sync and also fantastic like cinematography. I loved all of that. I thought that the way they, they shot that and the music and stuff they used was really good. I really enjoyed that. Yeah, like even though the bullying scene was horrible, the way it was filmed just really clever and then obviously parallels to later on. Yeah. And- it's the season of parallels. It let's is, be honest. but done so well. They're not like mm. massively in your face or like massively like cringy parallel or like overdone. They're like the very good amount of parallel, like with really good themes rooted in them. And I think that this was a prime example of that. And the way that like, oh, Angela, she like she drives you mad. And like, I think the way that, Elle deals with that is uh, it's very rooted within her with the way that she acted in other situations and obviously she didn't cause the massacre but you know when there's been the bad men before she has fought back because it's sort of been her or them you know um so you sort of see the way that her trauma has kind of manifested within her and her kind of reactions to things and her innate reactions to things because of how her upbringing was and stuff. And you've said to me that, like, the Duffer brothers have said that you feel really... You're supposed to feel really conflicted in the way that you feel after Elle hits Angela. And I think you do. Like, your initial response is like, yes. And then you're like, wait, no, she she could have killed her. Like, she could have killed her. That's That's not good. And the, obviously then you have the parallel of Mike being like, what did you do? And I think that, that that whole thing is done really well and creates a really interesting kind of feeling within the audience, which they definitely got across. Yeah, the cut between Mike talking and Brenna talking was a, just, just another nice little thing to just pepper in. It's like Elle's remembering little bits. Yeah. And maybe that was also part of a reason for why when episode happens and what goes down there that obviously she she wants to get the powers back but you know is it also literally that I just need to deal with what is in my head at the same time but more of that with with episode five yeah no definitely but yeah I think 
the roller rink scene, I I mean, it was unnecessarily sad seeing Will just slowly skating by on his own. That was that was a scene and a half, wasn't it? Uh, every time you just saw him in the background, it's like, we're going to focus on him just a little bit longer, aren't we? And it was just, oh, just <laughs> let the boys smile. And he does later on. Yeah. But just, you know, let, let there be a little smile. That would be lovely. Yeah, and I also look on his face as well when Mike says to him like, oh, "But why am I the bad guy in this?" And if you're already running with friends about Will's storyline, you can kind of feel that thing of, "Oh, you kind of know why Mike's the bad guy in this, and Mike doesn't have a clue why he's the bad guy in this." Yeah. And it just adds all sorts of layers onto things, and just and I think not that Mike is inherently the bad guy, but I also think like. If if that is the route that they're going down, if this is Will's like first crush, he he is kind of gonna be mad. Like I know that sounds that sounds silly, but like he could be thinking like I hate that this is how I feel about you, and like that I can't get over you, or like you know that these are these feelings. Like and they think he's gonna be feeling lots of things, and that is gonna kind of manifest in yeah in other ways and stuff the yeah that's w- and i don't think i mean will isn't at home pining like looking at his painting that he's painting like oh if only one day mike wheeler which he crumples it, in the airport he bends it and i just oh painful painful do you know what i mean though he's not like writing a diary but like dear diary mike didn't call again i hate the guy <laughs> just like, he's like not, little he's hearts not doing that. like mr and mr wheeler in the hearts and then crossing through it in angry bed like he's clearly not doing that but I, I do think a lot of it is internal and it's going to be more frustration himself yes and definitely mike's unfortunately just going to be the outlet for that but also at the same time it is his best friend and it's, it's going to be a mixture of things yeah, yeah and so is he also thinking at the same time oh gosh does he think this mm-hmm. like does my best friend think that this is going on and, you know, there's going to be a lot going on there. And also at the same time, he also does want to look out for Elle, who has been lying in letters to yeah. Mike. Uh, and in his mind, as he says in the roller rink, like, this isn't fair to Mike. Mike doesn't deserve this. Yeah. And he's just so, he's he's accidentally stuck in the middle of something he doesn't need to be stuck in the middle yeah. of. Yeah, and I appreciated that, like, obviously he does say to Mike, she's been lying to you, but he also doesn't say it as in like oh how awful is l she's been lying to you. it's like she's been lying to you and she's been having a lot of trouble we need to find her this like she's not okay yeah and you can see that you know he kind of just jumps into action there it isn't like a i'm she's been lying to you i'm gonna rat her out it's a she's in trouble we need to help no exactly yeah yeah which which i think i think it was done really well um and as painful as some aspects of the roller rink scene were to watch it it was it was done really well a lot of people are mad at mike's reaction to all of that and obviously we'll go a bit more into that in episode three when it's kind of spoken about a bit more but i I don't know i i don't i don't think it's particularly out of character for him no to act like that no I, i mean Regards to everything, I know that they've seen her literally kill people in the past. But they were but... the bad men. Yeah, exactly. And obviously, Angela has not been nice to her and she's bullied her awfully and not to say like a slap around the face wouldn't have been warranted, but you, you know no, what I mean? I know what you mean. But there are other ways around it. Yeah. But in Mike's eyes, he's just seen her pick up this roller yeah. skate and just whack her around <laughs> the head. Like... I think regardless of anything, you are going to be like, what on earth have you just done? Yeah. Because also, like, these things have consequences. Like, and I think maybe those consequences felt different when it was in a lab and supernatural beings and, like, these people mm. that... But this is real and this is human. But this is real. Like, yeah. Like, it feels like a different thing. So I think, yeah, I think def- definitely. Like, our girl is right. Yeah, I mean, even Will shocked. And Will's obviously seen the bully in the entire time. And even he's there like, oh, God, God. what have you done, essentially? Yeah. And like, our girl is right. If I had been an ice skate, 
Like, Angela, her nose would have been gone. Like, yeah, Angela could be dead if it was an ice skate. Let's be honest. I'm surprised she isn't dead now after that. Yeah, because also, like, the way that Elle kind of, she spins the roller skate so she gets that bit at the front. And, like, she is ready to, like, and the way that she hits her, like, if she hit her nose wrong, straight up. So I, I don't think that Mike and Will's reaction was completely unwarranted. I think I would probably act the same so yes we would love to know your thoughts on episode two of season four um Vecna's curse what what do you guys oh my god eddie we didn't talk about eddie like the end where they tell eddie oh yeah we should probably reference the fact that they give the name Vecna because he's a dark wizard shouldn't we got the D reference in early this season we did we absolutely did i liked the way that eddie kind of just was like do you know what yeah sure i believe you yeah, just going along with it. What other explanation is there? Yeah, but like I think it shows what he experienced and like the awfulness of Chris's death that he was like, okay, yeah. And like I liked seeing kind of how he sort of almost immediately fit into their little dynamic. No, yeah, I agree. Obviously you see it a bit more with the later episodes and Yeah. We'll we'll go into it more. We'll go into it more later on. But yes, just sorry. Sorry, Eddie, for forgetting you there. It's all right. If I if my theory for what's going to happen in episode nine is anything <laughs> to go by, we... <laughs> um, but no, we would like to know your thoughts and theories. Isn't it funny that Eddie's name actually begins with a B? <laughs> <laughs> How did that happen? <laughs> um, we'd love to know everyone's, everyone's opinions and thoughts and theories, favourite moments. Least favourite moments. What did you think of episode two of season four of Stranger Things? We would love to know. Where can they tell us their thoughts and theories and ideas and hates and loves and all the things? Well, first of all, they can hear us talk about things that are not Eddie, apparently, because I don't think in the last two episodes we've really spoke about him a lot. Um, whenever you, Wherever you can find a podcast, we're probably there. Maybe. Who knows? Check us out. Or you can talk to us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Hawkins Podcast, or YouTube and Tumblr at Hawkins New Copy. And at some point, maybe, possibly, you, I'm already going to say HawkinsNewCopy.com. Expect it. <laughs> it. It will appear at some point. But yes, thank you guys for listening to this episode of the Hawkins New Copy Podcast, and we will see you next time. Over and out.